I want to welcome everyone back to SaltCast. My name is Bob Turner, and I am the director of the Sunset Academy of Leadership Training, otherwise known as SALT. And today we're continuing our discussion with Richard England. Welcome back, Richard. Thank you. It's nice to be back. Richard serves as a professor at Freed Hardeman University and as well serves as an elder with the Henderson Church of Christ and if you didn't get an opportunity to listen to our last session, I encourage you to go back and listen to that as uh, we talked a great deal about the pandemic and the impact of the uh, pandemic on the congregation there at Henderson. And we're continuing that same discussion. And to me, one of the areas that has, I guess, been intriguing and yet at the same time in the few congregations that I've talked to so far, to see the relationship in the elders, among the elders, and so I'd be interested to know how that relationship has been affected by the pandemic. Have they grown? In what ways have they grown? How has the relationship among the leaders there uh, been challenged by and been affected by this pandemic? The beauty of having a few people together is that at any given moment, none of them will agree on anything. And that at another <laughs> moment, they'll all agree on everything. Uh, as you know, I served as a school administrator for several years. Mm -hmm. And I remember a friend of mine who was uh, also the lead administrator and I was working with him and we were sitting and talking about the difficulties of the day and we were having you know, some discussion about it. We didn't agree all the time. And he said, you know, if you have two people who agree 100% of the time, one of them probably is not necessary. Yes. And so we have some rather pointed discussions. And we have some uh, discussions that there will be, you know, concerns raised based on personal experience. Uh, there will be, um, you know, the well, what if kinds of things that are being played out. And there will be disagreements. But I really believe that's necessary. You have to have the disagreements to be able to understand some of the difficulties that you're facing and to also find a way to have some common ground to be united. Uh, the beauty of the disagreement is that it occurs in the meeting and other things, but when we walk out that door, we have a singular purpose. I never doubt the intent of any of the people, elders, deacons, or even the members who have, are not in that particular responsibility level or whatever, uh, people coming to church and wanting to do what's right. But there's going to be disagreements. Um, you know, Paul withstood Peter to the face, and you would think of those two apostles that they would have agreed on everything, but they didn't. There right. were some things where there were questions that were raised. Uh, same thing as we go through the New Testament with the letters that were written. You'll notice that it's addressing some of the disagreements that occurred. But at the same time, there was a singularity of purpose. I mean, we're people, and the elders, when we meet, there are times that... Um, we will have a debate, which is good. We need the debate. And there were times that we will be absolutely 100%, every single person will agree with uh, the direction that we're going. So it's, uh, it's the same kind of relationship. Now it has changed at their meetings because if you're with a group of people who certainly have, uh, I won't say are older. How about they have more life experience? I like that. Uh, there may be times that uh, we will meet through Zoom 
Or if we meet in person, we always maintain a social distance and we wear the mask and we try to be respectful of one another. So it has not really changed the relationship, but it probably has brought into focus a little better uh, some of the approaches and mm -hmm. some of the concerns that would surface. Sure. Uh, which is good because these are going to be the same focuses of concern for our congregation. Right. And that's that makes it very, very worthwhile to have those discussions. Well, and that that really kind of leads into the, the next question that I really had in connection to, to this is how have the elders uh, really connected to the congregation and how have they kept the congregation connected to each other? I, I know that you talked a little bit in our, our last session about some of the electronic means that, that are being used there at Henderson, but how are the elders really connecting to the members and staying connected to the members and how are they connecting the members to each other uh, through this particular time? And that's, again, uh, that has been a challenge. We'll use uh, daily emails. I send out an email to the group that I work with. You know, the, we have uh, divided the congregation into various groups, so each elder has a group responsibility. I send an email daily to all of the members of my group. And then we have other elders that will make daily or weekly phone calls to everyone. And then uh, I've known of instances, and myself included, where we've gone by to see somebody and we just stood on the front porch and they were on the other side of the door and doing that. And the same thing with encouraging, uh, staying in touch with each other. We're very fortunate that we have quite a number of members who accept responsibilities for everything from um, food for somebody who's sick and uh, you know, that type of thing. I've always said sometimes the greatest spread of Christianity has been in the form of a casserole. Well, uh, <laughs> it's, it has, uh, it's been remarkable and people reaching out to each other. Now, again, there are still some times where obviously with a large number of people, there may be those that we don't know about. Uh, the details of the needs. And there are going to be some members that we know the need is there, but they're never going to say anything about it. They're just going to do the best they can. So we try to make certain to stay in touch through small groups, telephone, email, uh, going by and checking on them, uh, any number of things as much as possible. And again, that really depends on the individual, what they are able to do, how far they're able to go, uh, with the health concerns that they may have. It raises another thing too, of wanting to be respectful of the individuals. You know, there are some people who um, are fearful enough, they just want to be left alone. Mm. And then there are other individuals, they don't mind a telephone call, but don't come by my house. And then there are others that, well, come on by, come on in, have a seat, <laughs> let's sit down, let's talk. You know, it just really varies from individual to individual right. and trying to be aware of that. And since probably the thing that has hit the most have been the external limitations uh, with our uh, healthcare facilities, hospitals, the limit on the visits. You can't just go by the hospital and visit somebody, which has been, or the nursing homes or the assisted living facilities. We have members who have been there that have been isolated and, um, we can't just go by and see them where 
we would normally go by and check on them and visit with them and have a cup of coffee or have breakfast with them or something like that. And that's prohibited because of the concerns within the facility, which we understand. So we try to find a way to get around it. Another thing that's happened is uh, something that's pretty old fashioned, um, using uh, cards and letters. Not <laughs> everybody has a computer. Nobody has, not everybody has a computer and not everybody has internet access. Right. And so uh, just writing out cards and putting a stamp on it and dropping it in the mail, which, uh, you know, everything old is new again. <laughs> And it all works. And it does work. So from my perspective, we're we're approaching nearly a year yeah. of having been involved in this pandemic and, and the upheaval that has resulted from it. And, and I realize that people are not able to see an end to it. I, I know with the vaccine that's being introduced, it has at least uh, curbed some of the tension of how do we move forward? So I'm wondering about the, the elders there, kind of what plans have they discussed and what have they thought about in regards to, okay, six months from now or maybe a year from now, um, as, as things do change and as it begins to lift, whether it's herd immunity or the vaccine or, or just as things begin to lift, what plans have been discussed as far as helping the congregation move through this and out of this time of pandemic um, bringing them back together. What does that look like and, and what has been discussed for the congregation? Well, and right now we're still trying to be fluid. Uh, we realize that uh, the concerns are not going to go away immediately. And I'm not trying to be a pessimist or anything, but if the edict went out that the pandemic's gone, everybody's been cured, everything's fine, there's still going to be some concerns. Sure. We uh, tried to do things incrementally uh, as we watched the numbers like everybody else. If there's a spike in some things, we've actually just gone strictly virtual. This coming Sunday, we'll be back where we have an 8 a.m. service and an 11 a.m. service and a 5 p.m. class. We do that very cautiously, very carefully. We see how that works and see how things are going. Uh, we have to be careful because if we wanted to have a singular service, we'd have a pretty large crowd of people. So we, uh, as we discuss this, we are recognizing we're in the here and now. I, you know, I don't know what's going to be like six months, 12 months from now. There are a lot of changes in the world and there's a lot of changes and uh, we have to stay focused to me uh, as an elder the responsibility that we have is to stay focused is that there's more than this life and that there are more serious things and be aware of that, try to strengthen each other, encourage each other, knowing that uh, there are some people in our congregation that we're never going to see again. And I say that, I say that uh, respectfully and sorrowfully, and I'm not talking about them just not coming back. During the pandemic, we've had people die right. that uh, would we would have loved to have had one more conversation or been able to visit with them or be able to be with them during the health crisis. And so there's going to be some residual effects of this that we also had to be prepared for when we come back together, that some of the people who were incredibly faithful, wonderful Christians are no longer here. 
there's someplace else and a far better existence. But at the same time, knowing as this incrementally, hopefully, gets better, there'll need to be a lot of encouragement, a lot of support, uh, a lot of awareness of the particular concerns and try to be sensitive to all of those, but eventually get back to where we're all meeting together. Uh, now the impact of it, who knows? There are quite a number of people who are meeting in small groups, which is wonderful, and they're encouraging one another. Uh, we also have other people who are very eager to get back into the building. I, I taught a class last night online, uh, Esther chapter 7, and uh, I've been working with another person, and we've been teaching it. It was a pretty much a vacant auditorium, and I had a couple of people come up afterwards and say, uh, basically, what if we just kind of slipped in the building and sat way back in the back? <laughs> because we've not opened our doors, and right. uh, not yet. We will be this next week. But people are eager to get back in that environment. I'm eager for it. You know, uh, I miss, uh, we had a lot of folks who were huggers. Uh, I miss just that, you know, good fellowship that we would have with each other and that type of thing. And when we come back, you're not going to do that immediately. Right. Still social distance. We still do the other things. And uh, so we're trying to look forward to that time to realize this is going to be a slow process. Uh, if we can get back to two services and then a class in the evening, back to classes on Wednesday night, and let's just kind of go from there and see how this goes and see what we can do to keep keep this going. Because I do believe that what we're faced with right now is the new norm. Right. And there will be decisions that will have to be made of how are you going to move forward. And it's going to be within the context of this new norm. I think about the, the statement that this whole pandemic for an extrovert has been a nightmare. And for the introvert, this has been their dream. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, one, la one last question. I I'd like to just kind of in general, what suggestions would you give to others who may be listening for their congregations? And I, I realize it's kind of an individualistic thing as far as every congregation is different. The dynamics of the congregation are different. Uh, geographically, they're in a different culture. But what suggestions would you give to help others consider for moving forward through this time? Be patient. Uh, that, you know, we live in a society where we want everything right now. We don't go to a fast food place expecting to spend much time. Uh, we, uh, we change the channel on the TV. We don't adjust the antenna anymore like years ago. We, we sit there, we want it now. Uh, but, and it's going to be difficult because we have been apart for so long, but to be patient. Uh, I really believe that's probably going to be the most difficult thing. And in my case, my personal case is for me to learn to be patient with me. I want this all fixed now. I want everything to be okay for everybody. Let's go back and, uh, you know, we're going to have a fellowship meal after services today, and we're going to have Bible studies together, and we're doing all of that, and you can't. Right. You have to be patient. And that probably is going to be the biggest challenge. But by being patient, keep moving forward. I realize that's a, something from movies and so forth, but do you have to keep moving forward and you have to keep uh, on the right path and not to give up, but to be patient. 
Joshua and Caleb were patient. They had to spend 40 years in the wilderness watching an entire generation die. And it may take some time. I'm not suggesting that uh, that's the situation that we're in. But I use that as a biblical example. And particularly the attitude of Caleb near the end of that time, where at the age of 85, he said, I'm just as good as I was 40 years ago. Give me this mountain. And so for the church, while we may not be looking at 40 years, that when we are able to kind of come out of this wilderness, that we can realize that we as Christians were as good as we were before all of this started. Let's go on to the next mountain. Something uh, along that line, but it does take patience. Yeah. Well, great information, uh, great suggestion, and certainly everything that you've shared in both of these sessions has just been rich and I can't thank you enough for taking time to uh, to visit with us and to share things that are going on there at Henderson and, and certainly your work as an elder. Just uh, appreciate that and appreciate you so much. Well, uh, thank you for having me. And it's great. Uh, of course, I don't know if your listeners realize that I was once your teacher in high school. I didn't want to go there. I tell you very selfishly. <laughs> It is fantastic seeing all of the good that you're doing. It's just incredibly rewarding. And I may God continue to bless you and all of the good things that you're doing. Because at any time, I'm here. I appreciate that. I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in and, and being a part of the SaltCast this week. Uh, and just continue to listen in. And hopefully that information that we're sharing will continue to benefit and strengthen the kingdom uh, throughout our country and, and our world. God bless.